a feature of Argentine football that people don't like playing against them. Uh, this has been true from the beginning. The original uh, finalist, 1930. And uh, ever since, it's been a legacy of frustrated, angry, and uh, annoyed opponents. Whether you beat them or not, uh, the Argentines are the universal villains of football, uh, depending on who you talk to. Everyone has their stories. The Dutch have theirs, uh, and now Croatia has theirs. <clears throat> Although the, the animosity, have theirs. the English in '86 had their complaints. Uh, the, uh, the you know what's funny about the you know what's funny about that '86 year um, World Cup is that everybody remembers the hand of God goal but everybody forgets one of the greatest goals, if not the greatest goal ever scored um, by Maradona in that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, um, that's the, the genius of him. You know, he has that streak of being great at cheating, but also being great at playing football. And that's what it is with Argentina. I think uh, they'll do anything to win. And, they have no remorse or compunction about cheating. Uh, what, what do you think? Is that is that really what what drives people crazy about the Argentines? I think that, and also there has been this attitude around the team, um, this chip on their shoulder that the world is against them, and they're going to do anything they can to succeed. And in every game, it seems like chippiness has kind of made its way to the forefront of almost all their games. And they've got this nasty streak to them. Like, I've never seen Messi act so petulant in all my life, in any tournament, in any league, in any Champions League. He's just, it's, it's as though is he's got something to prove and he doesn't care what you think, he's going to do it. Um, and it goes back to the Dutch game. It goes back to the Croatian game. Uh, it goes back to the Mexican game with the jersey on the floor, albeit probably, uh, you know, no uh, purposeful kind of malicious intent. But nonetheless, it was there. So I think throughout the entire tournament, the Argentina team has taken on this mantra as the villain. And they're playing up to it. And I think they're... Right really using it as a drive for them to win all these games, especially after that Saudi Arabia loss and people made fun of them and called them out that they oh, said, yeah. screw this. We're going to, we're going to be different. And they've taken this villain mentality and this victim mentality and have really driven them to where they are today. Maybe that loss was a good thing for them. Uh, they were, they were good in that game. It was another 5 a.m. Uh, I, I barely remember, but it seemed like they scored four goals and they were all called back for, for VAR offsides, which meant, you know, a finger or an eyebrow or a toe. Uh, but anyways, it seemed like, you know, I was half asleep. It seemed like they were winning that game. And then all of a sudden, Saudi scored two. 
and that really hurt them. It hurt their pride uh, to be beaten by you know the lowest ranked team in the tournament. And well, even um, yeah, it it stung them. It really hurt their pride. And and Argentines are very very prickly when it comes to their their national team. Any criticism, even implied criticism, can be yeah. You, met you would call it only hostility. Now, so, during that Saudi Arabia game, they they fell short in a span of maybe 15, 20 minutes where their defense totally broke down and Saudi, Saudi Arabia was able to put an immense amount of pressure on them. And their coach quickly realized the gravity of the situation and said, we need to make changes. And some of those changes have been, um, you know, stayed in the organization, stayed on the field. Um, and some of those players have yet to see the field again. So I think that there is some, I would say some trepidation on the Argentine team on that back four, especially on their marking backs. I don't think they've got a good hold of a defensive kind of mindset and they can be beat. And I think they can be beat on the wings with service, just like the Dutch did in that 10 minute span. They have some weaknesses, and uh, an or- and a team like France need to exploit that, and they certainly have the players to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the criticism uh, that Messi made of Van Hall after that quarterfinal. Uh, you know, the, the Spanish translation was something like he talks about beautiful football, but then he puts a bunch of uh, tall guys up front and hits them with long balls into the box which was very effective, uh, <clears throat> dramatically simple. Uh, Wout Weighorst, six foot six, um, scores one with his head on a glancing header and then scores an incredibly deft uh, free kick routine with his, with his feet. Uh, great touch for the big man. Uh, I, I shouted pretty loud when that went in. I can't imagine what my friend Robin would be doing down in Argentina did he have to watch it in a in, in a bunker for his own protection? I don't know, but that was pretty exciting. I was surprised at the call. Yeah, I was surprised on that call for that free kick because it took some cojones to call that when they did in that type of situation with all that pressure. So kudos to yeah. Van Gaal and the team for executing it to perfection. But man, it took it really took some cojones to make that call. Well, it was it was a blatant foul. I mean, he jumped on the guy's back, knee first, and uh, yeah, bad uh, foul nonetheless. It, yes, but well, not not the the call itself. The call on the free kick to do that to to do that play is what I was alluding oh, to. It was very it was very ballsy for Van Gogh. Not the ref. No, that was a total one hundred percent foul. One hundred percent. I'm glad to we be agree honest. On it's that. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute stupid foul by the defender, but for Van for Van Gaal to make that call to do that play for that striker, that was impressive. And I was pleasantly surprised and happy that they did it. Cause it was like you, I was screaming at the top of my lungs at what an amazing play call that was. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very bold decision to play it low to the feet. No one was expecting it, but uh, to get back, get back to your point about a, a weakness in the back line, certainly height is the glaring 
Bigness, uh, Lysandro Martinez, Romero, Otamende, all under six feet, I believe. I would th- I do believe so. Now, Otamende, he has got a tremendous amount of vert, vertical, verticality, if you will, for such a short guy. He does very well in the air. Um, but he can't, I don't think he'll be able to compete against the likes of Giroud, um, if they're going to, you know, apply service into Giroud. Now, the only issue with France is that they're not big fans of service. They would rather do the beautiful goal, um, several touches, wall passes and a beautiful shot. If they want to get ugly, I think the service into Giroud is going to give Argentina a hard time on Sunday if that's the strategy that Deschamps is going to uh, um, have for the team. Well, he believes in simplicity and um, doesn't believe in, in stats and analytics, believes in, in pride and, and purpose. Uh, it's hard to see them not winning again. They, they look like a team that just wins even when they're not playing well. They just find a way to get a win. They play like champions, and they have the most exciting player in the world. I think we can all agree Lionel Messi is the greatest player in the world, but Mbappe is exciting. Every game he does something that is truly astonishing, truly awesome. People misuse that word. Uh, but this is truly you know, moments of awe, like, wow, did you just see what he did? That, that was incredible. And he does that every game, consistently beats defenders, goes around them, goes through them, makes great turns, passes. Uh, you know, he's got he's got the the finesse of Thierry Henry uh, with the with the power of uh, of a Giroud and a little bit of the swagger of a Cantona. Now, 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 Kyle, I'm going to push back just a tad on that because I do agree. Yes, he is probably the most exciting player to watch based on his ability to beat players with his speed and his technique. But I think the last two games, he's been lost um, and hasn't been able to really be that effective on the French team. And I think it's hurt the French team when he does get lost because they are so dependent on his ability to break down a defense. Now, mind you, he still does it, and he has, but I think there has been some times and for great lengths within those games where he just gets lost and he tries to do too much. And I think some of the defenses have now kind of really gotten a better read on how he plays. And I think Morocco did a really good job of shutting him down. And he wasn't as impactful as he has been, let's say, early on in the World Cup where he was able to dismantle you know, defenders at will. I think it gets tougher and tougher the better the quality is that you go up against. And I think Argentina may not be as good as Morocco defensively, but I think they're much more tenacious. And they have a South American flair, which they would call flair, I would call dirtiness, that if they make this like a typical Copa America game, that they will foul Mbappe out of the game where he's not going to want to touch the ball at any given moment. Yeah, well, you know, four years ago, these teams met in the round of 16. 
Argentina, of course, lost to Croatia 3 0, you might recall. Correct. Yep. Uh, and that knocked them down to second place in the in the group. They got France in the crossover, and they certainly tried to foul Mbappe, but he just ran around them, ran through them, ran over them. And uh, he's bigger now, four years later. He's still only 23, but he's gotten bigger, stronger, faster. And, you know, he certainly was a little muted against Morocco, but I would say that's because of Hakimi. Uh, the best right back. In no, the I agree. No, no. And no, no, I, I get your point. I think, I think there is a different mentality with this Argentina team. And when we go back to playing the villain in this tournament, I think they're going to continue with that frame of mind. Um, and I think Mbappe may not be the person that is most lethal and impactful on that French team. I think it's going to be Olivier Giroud. I think he's going to be the key factor if France is going to win that game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's so powerful. He just makes those runs. They know exactly where to find him. Uh, Griezmann, Grisou, the new Zidane, now the all-time leader in assists. And uh, he's really had a great tournament. Love watching him. So artful, those passes, and he's so well supported. Does he win the midfield battle? You know, he's coming up against uh, what Croatia uh, faced in the uh, in the semifinal. Uh, probably a midfield diamond. Probably Scaloni goes with a midfield four and a back four again, do you think? And, and try to double-team Griezmann, uh, put DePaul and Paredes on him to follow him around and Kick some lumps out of them. Is that the so, strategy? So to be honest, Kyle, what, what I think Argentina is going to do is I think they're going to sit back a little. And I think they're going to wait France out and play the counter. Croatia in that game for the first 20, 25 minutes, I thought were going to win. They were playing fantastic. Ball movement was amazing. Unfortunately, Guardiol decided to become the new heir apparent Frank, Frank Beckenbauer and decided to you know, push up. And that was a costly mistake because they countered when he was out of position and they got that first goal on that PK. So I think what Argentina is going to do, recognizing that they don't have the horses to keep up with the French in a very free-flowing game, that they're going to sit back a little bit. I think they're going to play very tight. I think they're going to double when appropriate. But I think they're going to play the counter. Because what they saw against Morocco is that there is a a lack of defensive skill in that back four for France. Their outside backs were atrocious in Morocco. And if Morocco had a good striker, they would have won that game. But since they don't have anybody that can score for that team, France came out of that very lucky, in my opinion, because I think Morocco had the better of chances and for the most part should have won that game. So I'm thinking Argentina is going to sit back. They're going to allow Messi to just roam, conserve energy, and then hit them hard on the counter um, to really surprise them. That's good. That's what I think. I hope they do it because I think that's a way to, to beat France. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, sorry, well, Sunday. Uh, 
Sunday. Yeah, it can't come soon enough. I wish it was tomorrow. Um, but the, um, the crux of the argument is how to beat Argentina. I think we've actually figured out how to beat France. But uh, how do you beat Argentina? Where's their weakness? Great question. And to be honest, I, I haven't really seen a big, big gaping hole in their team. I think their team is based on hard work, a very disciplined team in terms of tactic, and having Messi be able to create out of nothing is going to be how they win. Now, how you beat them, I think you got to really play some very, I would say, Messi put it well when you played, you know, bad football and just bombarded them with long ball. I think you have to disrupt the game plan and disrupt the flow and their tactics by going at them in a very unorthodox manner and maybe playing long ball, maybe crossing the ball in service. You have to change it up and get them out of their comfort zone. Um, and once you do that, I think they start to lose their identity and they start to, you know, wander. Um, and I think that's a that's a way to beat Argentina. Get them out of their um, comfort zone, surprise them with different types of tactics, um, so that way they're always uneasy and unsure about what's going to happen next. And as soon as the Dutch changed up the way they played, Argentina had no idea what to do. They were, you know, flabbergasted. They were unnerved. Like it was, it was so apparent as to what was going on in their head was like, what do we do? I don't, we don't know what to do. And you know what? Messi may call it, you know, bad football, but that direct style of football caused them to tie it up and almost win that game. So I think France has to take that type of approach um, and make it a different style, make it dirty, make it ugly. Cause the only way you're going to beat Argentina right now is through ugly football. Yeah, yeah, and I think they'll only do that if they're if they're down a goal. I mean, the Dutch were desperate. Um, Argentina had modified their structure to play a back three and five across the middle to counter the Dutch, um, <clears throat> and then switched to a to a midfield diamond and a back four against Croatia. You know, when we talked about uh, the Brazil game uh, in, in the quarterfinal. One of the things that we were uh, skeptical of was uh, playing a playing a two man midfield against Croatia's three, and of course that was proven to be uh, to be very prescient on our part. I must say, the uh, uh, the Croatian midfield uh, churned them up. Uh, it took four Argentines committed to slowing down Croatia's midfield, and like you said, they were winning that game until the penalty, uh, which shouldn't have been a penalty. As a former goalkeeper myself, uh, I, I tend to sympathize with the with the GK, but the keeper uh, stood his ground. And, uh, Agreed. Yeah. You, you, Alvar, Alvarez uh, threw himself over his leg. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another topic for another day and a very sore point for many Croatians um, still to this day. Um, sorry, but yeah, sorry, I agree. I think <laughs> it's quite all right. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, and that's what I think that the coach has done well is that he's adapted tactics quite well to offset the 
you know, the, the key attributes of the op- opposing team. So I, I think what you had mentioned earlier, I think they're going to go with a four, four, two, um, and kind of nullify the offensive potentness of France by maybe even bringing down those two wingers and, and almost playing a kind of a six, two, two, if you will, and having those outside, um, like McAllister and I can't remember the other individual on the on the right side to be very important key figures to be running up and down, not only playing offense, but playing a lot of defense as well. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking of Enzo Fernandez. And those uh those two were brought in after the Saudi game. Uh Fernandez, McAllister right. and, and Alvarez came on, scored the great goal against Mexico to make it two nil. And uh, ever since, they've been outstanding. Enzo Fernandez uh, has transformed that midfield. He's become key to that uh, to that midfield. I expect him to get most of the of the of the challenge of following Griezmann. But he's so slippery. Uh, you know, he he gets into space. He just seems to to drift into into openings, and the ball seems to be able to find him. He's got that magnetic quality. Uh, Messi, on the other hand, is sort of anti-gravity. You know, he tends to just stop and wait and let things kind of spiral away from him and then finds a, a seam and reappears. It's, it's a very uh, uh, fascinating contrast between the two, uh, the two great midfielders. Um, you know, I, I, I talked about the penalty I got to ask you about that that uh, that situation with Bardiol. Has anyone checked on the kid? Is he okay? I mean, he got taken <laughs> he, he got taken to the cleaners. And he did. Uh, he he's been our he's been our best player the entire tournament. Incredible. To be truthful. Player, and player of the tournament. And he did did yeah, he did have a a mediocre game against Argentina. And you have to understand that when you have a guy who is, you know, close to 6'3", I believe, his height, and you've got Messi who is somewhere between, you know, 5'7 and 5'9", depending on who you ask, his center of gravity is so low that if he gets around a big guy, the big guy can't catch up and he's not going to be able to get him. And when Messi got a hold of him outside the box and turned him with that quick... uh, you know, move around, he was done for. He had no ability to get back in the play because he got around him, he got in front of him, and he's not going to foul him to cause another PK. So all he can do is hope to God that he makes a bad pass. Unfortunately, it's messy, and he didn't. And he passed it directly to the individual that scored that third goal. So um, I felt for the kid. Yeah, I felt for the kid, but you know what? These learning moments is just going to help him in the future i think you know that's going to be a a, probably in many minds something that he's going to live for the rest of his life when Messi turned him inside out i don't think that was his real mistake during that game i think he played out of um what he usually does and i think he took too much of a offensive role took too many runs, like I alluded earlier, like Beckenbauer back in the day. I think that's where his mistake really happened is when he thought 
too much on the offensive side versus staying next to Lovren and keeping that partnership very tight knit. And as soon as he deviated from that, that opened up the back. And that's how those two goals happened, the first and second goal, right? And when Brozovic didn't get that um, cross into the penalty area and it got, um, you know, I didn't even think it made it to the top of the box. Um, and they went on that counter. Guardiol was out of position. Lovren was out of position. And uh, Juranovic and Sosa had two unlucky touches uh, to kick that ball out. Um, and they ended up scoring that second goal. So I think there was a lot of mistakes made uh, on his front. But I only think those are mistakes that can be certainly fixed very quickly. And you'll probably realize it once they watch the film and he has a you know conversation with the coach that he tried to do too much. And that's not his strong suit. When he does very little, that's when he is amazing. Yeah, he's got to keep it simple. He's got to keep it simple. He'll be fine. He's only 20. He'll recover. Uh, there was speculation oh, sure. that his, tra- his transfer fee might have dropped. But the thing with Messi is that everyone knows that you can't tackle him. And, you know, it's an amazing thing. Not to get too personal about the guy, but if you look at him, he has the torso of a large man, but he has tiny legs. They're they're absolutely tiny, and uh, yeah, he's not easy to tackle. He, and and when he goes down, it's not he's not one to um, roll around and cry like Neymar. Yeah, I mean he'll get up, he'll fight to stay up because that's just the type of mentality that he has. And he, he just hurdles your leg and skips around you. And those legs are so small uh, and, and they're going so fast, you know, it's it's like sticking your finger in bicycle spokes, you know, you're just, <laughs> you're, uh, you, you just can't do it. Like uh, so how do you stop Messi? No one's been able to figure it out. He seems unstoppable. You know, we're trying to figure out how to beat Argentina, but I, I don't think we found the solution. Um, but I do want to get back to, to tactics you know, one of the things that we talked about before the Brazil game was uh, Brazil's plan to attack the fullbacks. And on, on, on paper, as they drew it up, that worked great. But what foiled the plan for Brazil was Croatia's fullbacks, Juranovic and Sosa, played out of their skins. They played the game of their lives. Both of them were, were fantastic. Completely foiled the, uh, the two wide players, Vinny and Rafinha, um, they had to be subbed off on the hour, and, and the fresh players were no better. So um, two players playing out of their skin foiled the plan. Who on Argentina has got to do that, you know, to counter? Is it the Argentine fullbacks? Do they have that ability to, 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 to thwart Mbappe and Dembele? I don't know. To be honest, I don't think they have the pace to keep up with those two. We're talking about two of the fastest men in professional soccer, as we know it. Like Dembele and Mbappe, their speed is unreal. Their quickness off the standstill, remarkable. Top speed, super fast. Um, And the two guys on in the back for Argentina. I just don't think they have it. 
Now, the one good thing is, is that for Argentina, I do believe they're right back who did not play against Croatia due to cards will be starting and will be super fresh for the game on Sunday. Acuna. He's, uh, and he came on through those um, substitutions in the Saudi Arabia game and played, you know, lights out the entire time. That's great. Yeah, so he's back. And Molina is the, the right back. He uh, scored against the Dutch. A beautiful pass by Messi. Uh, you know, all through this tournament, we're watching Messi against Mexico. They had three players designated to follow him around and kick him. Uh, and he still scored. And all it took was that blink of an eye. They found him in a, a, just a fraction of a second, hammered it in. Uh, and then through the rest of the tournament, you know, the Dutch had had, uh, had two midfielders following him around, and they had the two, uh, the, the two pairings from their back three step up. So it was almost like a, a you know a box. <laughs> they formed around Messi wherever he went. Um, and he still finds a way, you know. Uh, Molina spotted that that late uh, late recovery run by da- by Daly Blind and got behind him. And uh, that that moment of weakness uh, was exploited, and off they went. You know, it's just that that ruthlessness of the of the attack. Uh, they find a weakness and they exploit it. That's what really impresses me about Argentina. Uh, I think they will concede. You know, they, they almost conceded late against Australia. That game was in hand. They conceded two against the Dutch. That game was in hand. I think the Croatia game uh, got away from them after that moment. Um, must be very disheartening to see your, your star center back embarrassed that way. But uh, not to belabor it, I won't bring it up again, I promise. The, the, uh, <laughs> the final is going to turn on, on, on a great performance. Uh, we're all expecting Messi and Mbappe to be the stars to make the turn. But, uh, you know, maybe the key to beating this Argentina team is, uh, is to hit them with some simple football early, uh, get ahead of them, and then try to frustrate them with physical play. I think that's probably the most effective strategy. Um, certainly, they seem prone to, to late-stage nerves. There is that rush of blood to the head that happens, uh, as we saw with the, with the late foul, where Otamende just you know, jumped on the guy's back and mugged him, took his lunch money and kicked him in the nuts. It was, uh, it was ugly. It is, it is going to get physical. Do you think the French have such a strong advantage if it gets physical that the only way they're going to beat Argentina is to forget about the artistry of the game, uh, get stuck in, foul them, get balls into the box, and, and play basically 90s-style uh, Premier League football? Um, I really do. I think that's that's the only chance that that France has is to make this about ugly football. Get the ball in, get it in early. Let um, Giroud fight for that ball in the air, win the ball, send it out wide to either Dembele or to Mbappe, so that way they have one v one on the Argentine backs. 
I don't think they're going to win if they try to play exquisite football with multiple passes and through balls and just beautiful flow. I think they got to muck it up and get real dirty with Argentina to get through that back four and then put the ball in the back of the net. I think it's going to be a very ugly game. I don't think it's going to be nice at all. I think Argentina also won't mind if it gets a little bit more physical because I think they're accustomed to that style of football. Um, But I don't know if France is. France needs to make it ugly. They need to do a lot of service into Giroud. They need to cross the ball in as high as possible to avoid um, those small diminutive backs. I think that's the way they're going to win if they have that in them to do so. Like you said, Deschamps is one f- isn't one for flair. He wants results, and if he recognizes that that's the way that they're going to win, so be it. He's going to change the mentality of tactics and apply that in order to win. I hope that's the case, but uh, I really don't think Argentina is in a place to lose right now. I think it seems like it. they're on this destiny, if you will, that they lost that first game and haven't looked back since. They're playing the victim. They're playing the villain. The whole world is against them, and they're using it to their advantage, and they're really playing off of it. So I don't know if France plays a perfect game. They can still win. No one likes us, and we don't care. The uh, the chant of the Millwall fans for many years. They've uh, they've taken that attitude. They've embraced it. They're the villains. Um, if it does get nasty, I think they'll embrace it. But I hope you're wrong. I hope it's I hope it's <laughs> an open. I hope it's an open, beautiful game. I hope the French try to play with honor and dignity and uh, impress us with their with their passing flow and i hope the argentines respond and it becomes a beautiful dance a tango i hope we get a seven goal thriller extra time uh so i hope you're wrong but unfortunately well kyle if you're looking for a seven goal thriller i think saturday is your best bet (laughs) right the saturday game how could I forget? I'm sorry. Croatia, Morocco. How do you feel? Is that going to be a? Um, is that going to be a good one? I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think what they're going to do is just go out there, have some fun, entertain the Moroccan fans. It'll be a seven goal thriller. Um, I don't know if you know Modric and Kovacic and Brozovic will be playing the entire game. I think they're going to get some of the younger players in there just to. Um, kind of get more feel of World Cup play. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a ton of goals. Um, I don't think they're going to play, play conservatively because at the end of the day, you know, third or fourth place really doesn't matter um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, I hope I hope that they put on a show. Last time they were in that consolation final, they played against the Dutch. And I do believe it was high scoring mm-hmm. as well. I think it was like 3-1 or something like that. So... If we can have another game like that, I think it'll be a lot of fun for the fans. You know, the Saturday game is often a lot of fun. I look forward to it. I'll be watching, and um, I'll be looking forward to the uh, to the seven goal thriller with the with the hat trick by uh, Unahi. So um, 
it's going to be more important to Morocco than Croatia, I think. Uh, I mean, you're, you've got the silver. What do you need a bronze for? Agreed. And I think for Croatia, that mentality probably applies. Um, and if they lose, so be it. If they win, so be it. I think they're going to go there and have some fun, entertain, try not to get hurt. Um, Morocco's going to go there to try and win and try and do it for the fans and their country. So I would, if I was a betting man, I would put a toonie on Morocco to win in regular time. Well, you know, I, I remember watching the, um, the, the, the opening match of the group stage, Croatia-Morocco. It was a, another 5 a.m. and uh, a goalless draw, a very good goalless draw, as, as goalless draws go. Um, and I, I do want to apologize because my, my post-game report was that Croatia looked old and uh, especially Perisic was probably past it. Uh, and I was completely wrong about that. Um, I also predicted that Vardiol wears a mask because he's 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 actually a, a werewolf, and I think that's <laughs> still. We'll have to we'll have to well, see him without his mask. It's on. funny that you say that, Kyle. And and I think many people took that game and miscalculated the outcome as something negative to both teams because ultimately. They both went to the semis, and ultimately, they were probably the two best teams in that division, in that group. And it was a conservative 0-0 draw that nobody wanted to lose based on who they're going to play next. And many people on the Croatian you know, fans and pundits and media, they're you know, clamoring about, oh, how, they, how, can, how can they not beat Morocco? You know, Morocco's an African country, blah, blah, blah. But... Realistically, Morocco is a fantastic side and has done extremely well. So that 0-0 result was actually quite good for both clubs. It gave them a sense of feel for the tournament. Nobody got hurt. Nobody you know, lost. They each got a point. And I think it was a very, very well-fought game. Tactically, they were feeling each other out. Saturday, they've already felt each other. They played against each other. They're not going to play conservatively. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, you've uh, you've convinced me again of something I didn't know was true. Uh, last time we talked, you convinced me that Croatia could beat Brazil, and 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 you did. Uh, this time, you've convinced me that the Saturday game may be better than the Sunday game. So let's uh, let's see if that's true. I'll be watching on Saturday. Who would have thought that Croatia Morocco would be? in the semifinals of the World Cup. It's been an incredible run. Congratulations. I'm, I'm glad that uh, that you're able to uh, to enjoy it. Croatia have been heroic in this World Cup uh, for, for their, for such a small country with such a short history, three semifinals in, was it six tournaments? It's incredible. Pretty great. Since, uh, was it 96? No, 98. 98 in France. That was the first, yeah. Was it 98 or 96? 96 was the Euros, and that's the the first tournament. 98 when they lost to France in the semis and then beat the Dutch in the consolation final. Since then, we've been to three semis, which I think is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. I appreciate your perspective, Joe. Thanks so much. We're on 45 minutes. Perfect timing. We figured out how to beat Argentina. Unfortunately, 
it involves getting ugly, nasty, and dirty, which we don't want to see, but winning is all that matters in the end. So let's hope that the, the Saturday game makes up for what's going to be obviously a drudge fest on, on Sunday, a bloodbath. Don't let the kids watch. It's going to be ugly. You heard it here first. Joe has the ability to predict the future. Thank you, Joe.